welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is Joel Harrison. I'm Editor-in-Chief of B2B Marketing. And we're here today on this podcast to talk about our B2B Marketing Tech Innovators Project, which we run associated with Harvard, the marketing and PR agency. Um, and it's a very interesting project, lots of fantastic insights and things that we've learned along the way about the state of innovation in B2B marketing and indeed what it takes to be a B2B marketing innovator in the tech sector particularly. And I'm here today with two fabulous guests uh, who are going to talk about that, who've been involved all the way along the line. I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. So start, let's start off with Andrew Last, who's MD of Harvard, who are a marketing PR agency. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Hi, Joel. Yeah, very well, thanks. And uh, yeah, great to be here. And and, and, your, and um, your name is MD, as it suggests. Um, you know, you're, you're, in, you're in charge of Harvard, but, and, and you're um, uh, <laughs> Harvard do work with a range of technology clients and doing kind of that in that kind of hybrid world between marketing yeah. content. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah we're, we're a, a hundred person agency and we exist to help tech brands make their move. So what we work with some really established um, brands and, and businesses that everyone would have heard of and also some challenger brands. And, and our role is through integrated channels because we are both marketing and PR is to help challenge them and to help them achieve their goals, whether that's moving into a a new market, it may be going upstream to a different audience, whatever that may be, we exist to really help challenge them and take their um, comms and marketing to the next level, which is why uh, uh, this really interests us, this particular program. Okay, fantastic. Thanks, Andrew. Um, and I also want to introduce Dr. Christine Bailey, who is CMO of Passport, a Moody's analytics company. Hi, Christine. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks, Joel. Well, and, and um, as the as the you're a CMO and you're kind of longstanding B2B marketer, someone who's very active on social. T- tell us a bit about, um, you know, your role as a, the role at CMO is it can be quite a, a different iterations of that. So um, tell us a bit about your role at, um, at Passport. Yeah, so when I joined Passport a year ago, the task really was to uh, invent or refine the category that Passport was in. So Passport is a workflow and orchestration platform helping to manage risk and compliance um, for regulated financial companies in the fight against financial crime. And in that SaaS reg tech space, you know, there were about 50 people at the time a year ago, and it was all about breaking away from the pack, how to Uh, define that category that we're in to be really different and then bring that point of view into the marketplace and and build a revenue marketing engine so from uh from joining in march to we got our series a funding in august and then it just catapulted from there and we were acquired by moody's analytics um at the back end of november so yeah an amazing marketing journey to go through in in a short space of time yeah, the word meteoric leaps to mind um, and a great success story, as you say. So it's, it's something that many other brands would only aspire to. So and no doubt and no small part due to your work, Chris. So thank you. It's great you could join us today. Now, um, Chris and um, Andrew here to talk about the B2B uh, Tech Innovators pro- Project, which is an editorial um, and event project, I suppose, that we run in B2B marketing, which you can download. And there'll be a, there's a link you can access. Uh, there's a report which relates to this, which you can access in the text associated with this podcast. So we'll just go to be, we'll just search for B2B marketing innovators, B2B marketing tech innovators. And and um, this is a this is an initiative that we ran with Harvard um, to seek to identify, celebrate, recognise, and promote some of the people who are pioneering, who are doing interesting, exciting stuff. Um, uh, in, in B2B and B2B tech particularly. Um, and um, we, we've kind of um, 
uh, we launched the project um, last summer, and then we had a, we, we had an advisory group come together to help uh, frame the structure in terms of how we operate and and, and all the kind of um, provide the, the kind of uh, mechanics of the program, including some August B two B client side marketers, of which Christine was one, um, and, uh, and and helped shape the program. And then after that, we got our nominations in, and um, we've kind of wrote, wrote, created a shortlist. So. Um, it's a very exciting project. It's something it's interesting to do, and, and um, lots of interesting learnings along the way. Andrew, you obviously you you and your colleagues um, came to B two B marketing with this idea, and we kind of shaped it together. What was it? Tell us a bit about what was on your mind when you when you when you kind of um, what was the genesis of this from your perspective? What were you trying to achieve? Yeah, um, well, it, it springs from the pandemic, and maybe that's not that surprising. But we we were seeing you know some some brilliant work in the industry, but um, if, if I've noticed that actually marketeers, a spotlight on, was on them like never before as a result of the pandemic. You know, they were doing everything from keeping the lights on, being internal comms champions, uh, to helping support sales and speak to customers, as well as, you know, actually still trying to drive revenue. And, and there was a lot of pressure on them. And But throughout this difficult time, we, we saw some brilliant work being done and, and we, we see that, you know, I mentioned about helping our clients make their move. A lot of this is is clients helping support clients do their firsts. And, and we were seeing that happen a lot. We were seeing the first time that, um, that these brands and our clients were embracing certain technology and or, or, or doing new or using new channels or a different route to market, whatever it may be. And we just thought, you know, why not celebrate rather than just the work, which is a lot of that within the industry, celebrating great campaigns of work. Why not celebrate the people behind the, behind this work and put a real spotlight on them in a positive sense? And then what we hope comes out of that as as a benefit is that we want to inspire the next generation coming through. You know, we want to encourage talent to come into B2B marketing and particularly on the technology side and and really get, get that next generation um, inspired by it so that was the main purpose for getting involved yeah I think as I mean I can definitely relate to that and what we're seeing all over the place in um, in b2b particularly since the pandemic and, and and an ongoing basis in the last two years is the amount of innovation people have had to demonstrate and, and so it's a very worthy um, objective to try and kind of highlight those people and to celebrate them from my point of view I don't think b2b marketers are um, proud enough of their achievements. Often modesty tends to be the kind of defining characteristic rather than um, genuine, um, you know, efforts to, to get recognition for the hard work that's been done. So, you know, it was something we absolutely jumped at and great to be involved with and, and to take to take forward. Chris, you've been a B2B marketer for a number of years now. I'm not going to um, seek to um, put a number on that. I'll leave you to do that if you feel the urge. Um, but how, how do you, what do you think about this? Do you think, is, is innovation something that's come to the fore particularly in the pandemic, or has it always been important, perhaps under-celebrated? Yes, if I think, you know, sort of like true innovation for me in marketing is when you're creating a new category and innovation will come from, well, I, I'm going to say it comes from insights because that's, you know, that's my specialist subject is customer insights. But so the insights could either be into finding a new way to solve an existing problem so, for example, standing on a street corner in London in the pouring rain, not knowing if there's a taxi around the corner, that problem already existed. But Uber found a completely new way to solve it, uh, just as you know, Netflix found a completely new way to uh, solve the problem of you know, taking videos back to Blockbuster. So that's about how do you find uh, a new way to solve an existing problem? That's one, er 
one way to get innovation. The other way is if you've got um, a technology and you're looking for a new use case. So in the case of Passport, um, blockchain technology already existed, but the co-founders thought about how they could use blockchain in the risk and compliance space in a completely new way. So that for me is like real innovation when you're thinking of a new category. But there are many, many other ways, almost sort of like micro innovations that are happening all the time in marketing, whether that's figuring out you know, how to position yourself differently, whether, you know, as Andrew said, it's using a new tactic, whether it's using a new channel, whether it's finding or actioning um, a new customer insight that you found. And as marketers, we've all, I think we've, we're all programmed to be very good at testing. We're not always good at learning, you know, that constant sort of test and learn cycle. So I think that's what almost what we're looking for is who is good, not just at testing, but who is really good at learning and doing something differently as a result of that test and learn. And of course, the pandemic has just accelerated the need to, you know, to test and learn very quickly because we were thrown into this completely new environment. Thanks, Chris. I mean, that, that's that's very resonant of what the kind of conversations we're having. And and in some ways, it was the, the rule book. Andrew, I'm going to bring you in here, the rule book around you know, the, the amount of, I guess, due diligence that we had to do on new ideas, um, maybe not was ripped up and thrown out the window, but it certainly was, um, you know, we, we need to move a lot, be a lot more fleet of foot and more radical in our thinking. Is, is that, would you agree with that? Is that what you saw with your clients in, around, in, at least in some of this kind of pandemic period? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it rings true from, um, you know, from the innovators that uh, were selected as well and and I couldn't agree more with what Chris was saying around um, what real innovation is and I have to admit that the word we did debate this I don't know if you remember Joel right at the start yeah. about you know the use of the word innovative because let's be honest it is overused and it's it's a big claim to make as as Chris touched on but I completely agree that for me it's about solving problems solving business challenges and putting mar- and seeing how marketing can really be at the front and center of that and you do that by doing something differently and and that could be you know innovation will have different levels for depending on your organization your frame of reference for it but but what we were seeing was that you know marketing was doing things they'd never been involved in before and they were doing things differently and they were pushing themselves and sometimes that was used to technology other times it could have been as it could have been for example being front and center for internal communications or getting that much closer to customers by supporting the sales team and and some of the methods and and the routes to market were just different to what anything we'd ever seen before so so there was a lot coming through uh, and examples examples that we saw of our clients uh, I mentioned the first that we're involved in just a different approach to customer storytelling or running events with clients or or keeping them up to date on on news from the business all of that to me that's innovation that's solving problems of the business and doing things differently and I think and that's that's a brilliantly put Andrew and personally I'm not going to presume to complain that this period wasn't traumatic it was traumatic for everybody but the lessons learned in terms of behaviors and competencies in that period I think stand those markers as an extremely good step for the future would you agree oh definitely the there's the the, the foundations that were laid in in that period of time as you said there was obviously there was uh, some challenges but 
Uh, we were at an event last week and we were talking about an organization that never had any form of CRM in place or, or nurture program to speak to their existing customers. It was all focused on, on acquiring new opportunities and, and feeding the top of the funnel. And they realized that, you know, in peak pandemic, that actually they had to get closer to their customers. And they created something really simple, what seems really simple is, you know, a, a, an e-newsletter and, you know, bringing the sales team on board to, you know, to, to provide advice as well to their, their customers. And to me, that is something that's massively moving on that organization. And they're not going to leave that behind. If anything, they were explaining that they're now building out a, um, a proper customer advocacy program. And that never would have happened if it wasn't for those first few months. And a lot of this, I think, just goes under the radar. And, and, uh, and, and rather than people celebrating it and congratulating people and, and trying to advise other organizations, they just move on to the next challenge. We do that particularly in in tech b2b marketing it's so fast paced that i don't think people take enough time to just stop and reflect and 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 share the wins and and share the successes across the industry and and that's what you know we'd love to see more of yeah absolutely it's it's and that's why this project one of the reasons the project is so worthwhile because it, it, it provides those those kind of heroes of people who've done, who've kind of stepped up and done exciting things. Some of those, anyway. So, um, Chris, the next question is for you, really. Um, as Andrew alluded to earlier on in his answer, um, when we started to look at the word innovation, it was—it's a great word. It's—it's it's a very well-used word. I don't think it's overused, Andrew. I think it's still—I um, think it's used a lot, but I think it's just such an important part of marketing. I think I'm—I'm I'm going to pull back and say it's not overused. It's, but I think what we did identify and yourself you were involved with this with our advisory board of client-side marketers and Andrew was on that as well was that actually the different aspects of innovation the different kind of criteria of innovation and we hit upon um, uh, kind of four kind of particular facets which we call transformational virtuoso forward thinking and challenges so Chris I, I wanted to, um, to get your kind of take on on, on these or, or, or this kind of these sub criteria I mean would you say it, it seems to me anyway that some of these are kind of more common than others and some of them more easy to identify you know i suspect that um we, we kind of think about um innovation as, in terms of things like transformational and forward thinking whereas a virtuoso is someone who's just really really good at what it is that they do and they maybe they, they kind of kind of drive innovation on a kind of micro level but it's, it might be seen as different as transformational do you do you think these different all these different kind of sub criteria are, are valid and worth recognising? Absolutely, because as we were saying earlier, transformation comes in in many different guises. So I guess probably more traditionally, we're thinking about the transforming category because that's quite internally focused. You know, it's about doing things differently for that organisation. So what might be completely transformational for one organization might not be transformational for another organization, but it's still worth rewarding, you know, if it's transformational for the organization that you're working with, you know, particularly when we've seen this massive drive towards digital because of COVID, a company might not have been very far along its digital journey. And you see a lot of transformation there uh, in the move towards digital, whereas maybe some of the tech companies are, are you know, we're already further advanced. So that's the kind of, what I, I guess, probably the most common is that transformational category. Okay. And then you've got the, you know, when you're challenging and they're not, it's, you're not only challenging the way that your company is doing things, but you're sort of challenging how the industry is doing something. So, 
just trying to think of a good example here. Um, I've been talking quite a lot recently about intent monitoring. And this is where, because the world has gone digital, how do we pick up those digital signals? So if you think of the, you know, more than two thirds of the buying journey always used to happen online. I think it's a lot more now. We just need somebody uh, to go and get us a new statistic because I think that one is from 2016. Nobody's done it since. So there's my challenge. If somebody could please update that statistic. I think it's much more than two thirds now. You know, what can we use to find that if you uh, an analogy I like or a, a learning from sticky branding is that only 3% of your target audience is purchasing right now. So how on earth do you find that 3% online and how do you nurture the other 97%? Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about nurturing. And one way you can do that is by using intent signals. Now, when I was um, researching for my book, sorry, that sounds like a shameless plug there. But when I was researching for the book a couple of years ago, there weren't that many companies who were doing intent monitoring. And it was quite basic. So people were monitoring based on an IP address and that IP address could come from anywhere in the world, which is not terribly helpful if you're not in a global market. You know, you, you're just focused on a particular market, for example, the UK. So then things evolved a bit further and you could get an IP address um, in, in the country that you were targeting. So that was better. But now you can get um, you can pick up digital signals from what people are doing on social and you can be given that signal right down to somebody's LinkedIn address. That's amazingly targeted. So that's not just challenging the way that somebody is doing something internally within their company. That is challenging how we, you know, the industry is doing marketing through that new technology. So that was the second one. I think the the third one, which is particularly interesting, the, the virtuosos, these are the people that you don't typically see coming appearing on a list of the most innovative marketers, because these are the people who are really pushing the boundaries. Either it could be using a new technology, it could be yeah, something like digital marketing or using a new technology in the digital marketing space, or it could be being really good at using customer insights. But those are the people who you are not typically uh, sort of shouting about what they're doing. And then you get the three, think three thinkers who, ooh, can't say that word, uh, who's probably a smaller subset. These are the visionaries who are paving the way and sharing their expertise and knowledge very generously. They've probably been in the industry for a while um, and, you know, are, are sort of paving the way for and helping share a vision for everybody. And they're, they're four. So that's, just, that's a great description, Christine. Thank you so much for that. And, and they're, they're, so they're four kind of different, sometimes related uh, skill sets, but distinct. Um, Andrew, in, in terms of your clients, do you see uh, the, the full mix of these people or do you tend to see um, some more than others? No, no, uh, we, we absolutely ref reflect uh, our client base, actually. And it was just really interesting looking at the uh, um, look, look at the nominations that came through. And, and what really stood out was the diversity of people's backgrounds, which which lends itself to these different personas that, that Christine was uh, explaining there. I mean, we, we saw and we, we deal with on a regular basis, you know, people from marketing uh, so, so I suppose the full marketing mix could be anywhere from brand to demand generation. There's content and editorial people there, go to market, ABM, customer advocacy, digital. I think we have people in product marketing as well. And, and what 
really stood out as well. Where they're also representatives from, from marketing operations, you know, through to the front line. And, and that's what really appealed about this this whole piece was was saying that actually you can you can solve problems and do things differently as we were saying earlier, whatever your whatever your role may be because it's a big marketing ecosystem and that's what makes our job so exciting and is is the absolute variety there and and we're also seeing um, that we had some more experienced people which uh, I, I think uh, Chris was putting down into the kind of the, the, the forward thinkers, um, but also there was uh, also some new people coming into the industry, probably only been in it within two or three years, who were also shaking things up in their own way. And, and that's absolutely what we've seen across the board of our clients is that actually due to, I think, the probably the, the, the culture, um, the internal culture that has changed as a result of the last sort of 18 months to two years is that people who are newer into the industry, newer into the organization are actually given a bit more permission to try new things and to experiment probably than more than would have been done in the past. And that's where I think things got really interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's good. It's really good to explore these different personas and examples within that. And, and there are within the report itself, which you can download for free from our website. Um, there is a, there's not only fuller descriptions of these um, of these different kind of personas and uh, sub criteria of innovators, and also some great case studies and great in depth profiles of, of some examples of people who've done that. So, so then talking about this, moving moving on then. Um, so once we had this, as you can see, if you're listening to this, you can you, you can see we had a, a quite a complex conversation about how we define innovators, and I think it was a very rich conversation as well, and it has enriched the whole process significantly as a consequence of doing that. Um, we then out, went out to market and asked for nominations uh, and nominated some people ourselves. Um, and we got a long list of people uh, who uh, who qualified. And then we whittled that down with the advisory board to the final 22. 22 for 2022. It seemed poetically beautiful at the, um, as a way, as a, as, a, as a number for this particular list. Um, and and I, I hope that Andrew and Chris agree. It was a very informative and not to say sometimes fun process. Um, we didn't always agree, but I think we got to a place where we all agreed at the end. Um, Andrew, what what did you what did you make of the process, and how did it compare to what you expected? And were you surprised by anything in terms of the nominations that we received? Uh, well, there were more than I expected <laughs> for a start. Um, we probably shouldn't give away our secrets, but it was originally meant to be, I think, twenty, but we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't all agree, and so we snuck in an extra twenty two, and that's where we got the twenty two for twenty twenty two, should we say? Um, no, it was it was. Very, yeah, very impressive. Uh, as I mentioned, I think the people coming from different backgrounds and different levels of experience were, was impressive. And and then some of the, the achievements uh, really stood out. I mean, the obvious ones where you know, people are pushing things. There, there was someone who had absolutely championed um, a different social channel, in this case, uh, TikTok in, in B2B, that, you know, it was really kind of wow bit of work. Uh, People who were really getting involved in intent data. So that was what Christine was explaining earlier about how do you make sure that your um, your advertising is hitting the right people at the right time. I found that really interesting. And also the uh, uh, people just doing things completely differently, bringing celebrities into virtual events and just really trying to shake things up just to make sure they get noticed. But if if I'm if I'm really honest, that the, the people that that really stood out to me and that were I suppose there may have been sort of 
less we say glitzy and and and, and using all the latest technology or, or celebrities but people have been pioneering in their own way were really making a difference to the business and and doing things for the first time so there were uh, so just a couple of examples there was a katie crawford from from square who i think is fairly new to that organization uh, she talked about how she was the first time that that organization had ever used influencers and uh, that started producing some brilliant results for them really started to go out to a whole new audience a new way of going to market and was one she was one of many examples who um, actually had some really tangible business results uh, behind them and that's another thing that really stood out this wasn't innovation for the sake of it it wasn't just experimenting for the sake of it there were actually uh, affecting the business at probably a lot of these organisations at the most challenging time they'd they'd been around. Yeah, and, and that's and, and that's fantastic examples there of, of um, some of the people that were included. And it, yes, it was a it was a rich and varied list. Um, thank you, Andrew. Christine, what about you? Do you think um, denominations or even the shortlist, or particularly the shortlist, probably was a represent fair representation of the kind of the talent and the breadth of skills in the industry? Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure there are there, there is much more talent out there. But when we were at the beginning, what was I when I was first involved in this process, what was really important to me was not to just have all the usual suspects, if you like, or go for the the well recognized brands, but to go also for, you know, some uh, this huge amount of in, innovation comes from, you know, that sort of startup to scale up type of company, or it's coming from agencies or as I say you might get amazing innovation and new ideas coming from somebody that hasn't been in in the profession very long and you get some people who have been contributing to the industry for years and years and, and, and continue to give fresh ideas so from that respect uh, there were it, it was really broad there were you know very big name brands lesser known brands client side agency side breadth of age and experience and diversity so yes very, very happy with the, with the final list yeah and I, th I think it was i think we all agree it's important to have that to have that breadth represented um and, and not just be a particular kind of persona doing performing a particular kind of a role um andrew's already mentioned some people that really stood out for him and that was very helpful mm -hmm. andrew was it chris was there anybody for you that you that was particularly notable or, or that, that really struck you for any for any reason particularly yeah i mean Going back to what I said at the beginning about creating a new category, my eyes were drawn, of course, to Giles Rees-Jones because uh, working for what three words? Because I think he's done some amazing work in in defining that new category of around location technology. So, so that was one that stood out for me. Then I think, you know, the, there were a couple of people in in ABM and. You know, Bev Burgess uh, defines the magnificent seven, as she calls them, of seven very well-known people in the ABM space. One of those, Andrea Clatworthy, was on the list, but there are also new people on the list. Uh, well, new to me anyway, Neil Berry, uh, doing some amazing work there in the ABM space. And then uh, Katie Colburn stood out for me, what she was doing around social selling, because that's something that's very dear to my heart, because that's uh, about a really close relationship with sales, um, as well as maximizing the fact that you know two th more than two-thirds of the buying journey is happening online uh who else stood out for me rena mystery she's got that lovely mix of vendor and agency and client side so she's bringing you know a, a really a sort of tripod of perspectives there and then mm -hmm. i think 
as I say, what I liked was the fact that you'd got some people from very large established companies, you know, Scott Stockwell from IBM, John Watton from VMware, Jack Dyson from SAP. But then you've also got um, some people, you know, championing the small businesses like James Bridgman and, and Connor Coughlin, who've done some amazing work in that, you know, those those SMEs. So, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah those stood absolutely, out. Christine. Yeah, I, I agree there. And also just to give a couple of other people a shout out that, that stood out from my perspective. Uh, one was uh, Simon Daniels. Uh, so he's, he's involved in marketing operations and they're not, he was the first to admit, you know, they're not the ones that are normally uh, held up as, as, uh, uh, as innovators because they're more keeping the lights on. But some of the work he was doing in, in embracing uh, digital transformation and, and bringing marketing automation into his, new, into his new company was really making a difference to that business. And also he's, he's, in, in his case, he's also involved in, in, in his own kind of thought leadership. And, you know, I think he's, he's, he's got a, a newsletter that he champions. He's, he speaks at events. And, and that was someone who stood out. And, and also uh, Ruth Connor from uh, Calibrate, uh, who's also a, a Harvard client. So uh, definitely one to give a shout out to. This is another example of someone who it may not have been the wizziest technology. She did bring marketing automation into the uh, into her organization, but she absolutely fundamentally over the last two years has changed the perception of of marketing in in that organization and ran the first ever integrated thought leadership campaign, uh, built a team pretty much from scratch to over 10, 15 people, I believe, in three different markets. So so it's just really good to see uh, where innovation can come in, in all sorts of shapes and sizes and different guises. Thanks both. It's got some great um, passionate uh, examples there. We're passionately told anyway, so much appreciated. And, and Andrew, I mean, Chris, you weren't actually able to attend, but Andrew, we, we did um, have a, a kind of a, a roundtable gathering for some of those people listed. And, and it was a fascinating conversation. And I think one of the things that stood out for me was how kind of contextual innovation can be, how important it, it, it is in terms of well, how, how it can look different in different places. Um, and, and, and that's kind of reasonable. But a couple of questions to close, because we'll um, just draw this podcast to a close. Uh, what do you think, uh, and perhaps I might start with you, Christine, on this one. What do you think it says, this whole report says about, and this whole project says about the state of innovation and B2B generally at the moment? Do we really understand what drives or enables it? Um, and do you think that marketers have enough room or latitude or perhaps even respect to be as innovative as they might like to be? I hope so. Um, it's not always the case, uh, but I think we've we've got to keep listening to our insights. We've got to always be curious. I think if we can, you know, if we can always be curious, always listening to our insights, always be learning as well as testing, um, then then we will get innovation. Okay, and, and Andrew, again, same to you. Same question to you. So, you know, do you see? What do you think of when looking at the list here and talking, thinking about the clients that you work with? Do we have enough, do you think marketers have enough room or, or latitude to be as innovative as they ought to be? Well, I suppose we're judging this based on the nomination. So everyone had to feel that they had, um, you know, that had at least a starting point there. But but what really stood out, and this, this came from so many of the nominations, was that you need the right environment and the right leadership in place to thrive. And as I said, I, I think part of that, the shackles were thrown off to some extent um, by the pandemic. And and, and there was this lovely phrase someone used in the report about um, needing the permission to fail and, and the, you know, allowing them to experiment with different strategies and, and, and tactics. And I think you just can't overlook 
how important that culture is because without the people and the relationships, you're never going to, you're never going to make innovation happen. You know, I like to say that, you know, the best idea in the world is just an idea unless you've got buy-in from leadership and, and you've got a team who can actually deliver it. So I would love people to have that as a takeout, that it's also the culture that helps make this happen and not yeah. just the people. So innovation is, is, is contextual and cultural. I think that's, those are very, very strong points, Andrew. Um, I guess the last question I'd go with is, is around why does this matter anyway? Um, why should Marcus aspire to being innovative and, and why? What's in it for them and, and what's in it for their employers more to the point? So, Andrew, perhaps this one to you, first of all. Why does any of this matter? Wow. Yeah, really good question. <laughs> why does any of this matter? Um, I would say, you know, going back to what we talked about right at the start, um, one of the reasons for doing this was was about, you know, attracting the right talent. We talk a lot, don't we, about B2B that... Um, still people are being uh, new talent has been wowed by the consumer world that's where there's bigger budgets and more chances to do something differently well actually as well as the impact you have on the organization and 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 results let's remember that what you're doing here and and thinking differently and being more innovative is shining a light on the whole industry and if we want to get the best talent coming through that's going to help lift all these organizations we have to keep pushing ourselves and and pushing our organizations internally to give us the permission to to experiment and to fail every now and again but that's not a problem because that's how we all get better yeah absolutely agree very very good point chris what do you what do you think last same question to you why, why does this matter why should we aspire to being innovative and why should we encourage or facilitate innovation well i marketing should be memorable it should be different and the world is constantly changing. So unless we're being innovative, we're not going to be making our marketing memorable or different. It's just going to be there, you know, just like everybody else. And if we want to move forward, then then we need to be innovative. And let's not forget just how many tech marketing technologies there are out there. So Scott didn't do his MarTech landscape last year. He's doing it again this year. Two years ago in 2020, there were 8,000 technology, marketing technologies None of us could possibly hope to understand what those 8,000 were. There's probably, I don't know how many is going to be this year, but it'll definitely be more than 8,000. So we have to be constantly listening and learning. There's always going to be new technology. Um, the world keeps moving forward. And, and unless we're innovative, then we're standing still. And it, I, so I guess what I'm taking from that, Christine, is it's inherently a challenge. If we want to be good markets, we have to be innovating moving forward or and it's not an option, really. So um, I think that's a wonderful place to leave it. It's been a great conversation. I've loved working with you both on this project. Um, and if you'd like to know more about the um, B2B Innovators projects, um, then you can download the reports. Um, there's a link in the text below this, or you can search for it. I'll go to b2bmarketing.net. Um, so Andrew, thanks to you. Thanks for being involved. Yeah, thank you, Joel. And, and great to see you again, Christine. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for involving me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to you both and hope you've enjoyed this and hope we can do it again very soon. Thank you very much. Goodbye.